you are putting that into your brain so that your subconscious is going to help you to work, do this work with you, you know, like your conscious and your subconscious are working together. Okay. So then when you're in that space and all of this is happening, like really quickly, I'm just explaining it all <laughs> in, in detail. Um, then you get into life, you make it, you engage with muscle memory. Part of the reason we don't have memories is not only that we're not like living in them for long enough, but that we aren't getting our bodies involved. So much of our life, like especially with our phones, it's like our thumb, but our body isn't feeling any sensory experience. Um, and so we have to learn again, like how can we really embody all of life in this body we've been given in every sensory way so that this experience that I'm sharing right now with my kid or with my inner child or my spouse is as rich as possible. So that is going to like imprint on my mind so I can truly remember it and feel it and it can heal me. And then you focus and take a picture. So the picture like, so that, so hopefully the photograph is something that feels good to you. It's proof of that beautiful experience rather than something you're trying to pose for. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. It's hard enough being a mom and the last thing you need is stress from too much stuff and an overcrowded schedule. For too long, I've lived with the mindset that bigger was better and the more I added to my life, instead of feeling better, I felt overwhelmed. It was time for a radical new mindset. Less is more. I'm not into extremes. I didn't throw everything away. My brand of minimalism is more about adding than subtracting. Get rid of the excess to make room for what you love. In other words, it's about living life with purpose. I hope you'll listen in as my guests and myself can inspire you to think more and do with less. As parents, we're constantly trying to capture those precious moments with our cameras, aiming to freeze time and hold on to those fleeting memories. But have you ever stopped to think that your camera could actually be your key to experiencing more presence in those very moments? Today we're diving deep into the art of practicing presence with a guest who has mastered the delicate balance between cherishing memories and living in the now. Joining us is professional photographer and creative director Joy Prouty, whose insights and wisdom have helped countless mothers embrace self-compassion and find genuine joy in the memories they're creating every single day. But before we get there, I want to quickly share a minimalist resource with all of you. This week, I want to share a podcast episode of the Ritual Podcast, which you've heard me talk about before. Uh, this episode is specifically called Tim Ferriss is Changing His Mind with author Tim Ferriss. I've actually listened to the episode three times, and I may go back a fourth time and re-listen. I think for me, the thing about Tim Ferriss is that he is constantly evolving, but putting an effort and intention behind that evolution. Tim shares about overcoming shame. He's addressed trauma in his life, depression. I think a lot of his personal growth comes from being curious and willing to challenge some of his pre-held beliefs. And he truly just seems really at peace and wants others to find that peace as well. So again, I would say that this fits into the intentional living element of my show. And I highly recommend you check it out if at all interested in Tim Ferriss or Ritual. As always, Ritual, excellent interviewer. And I'll be sure to link the conversation in the show notes. All right. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Joy. I've been talking to people for almost six, seven years at this point. And I would say I've never had a conversation like this one. It was a very unique topic. The emphasis is obviously on 
photographs. But throughout the conversation, Joy was able to weave in the present moment of taking photos before we take the photo, how to root ourselves in the actual moment. She talks about self-compassion. We talked about expectations for family photos. I loved the neuroscience that she shares throughout, practical life examples. Really, I could go on, but I'm just going to let this episode speak for itself. Let's get into my conversation with Joy Prouty. I consider people and how they're on their phones all the time these days. So it was intriguing to me because I was like, oh, it seems like the opposite. It seems like our phones and our cameras take us away from the moment. So I was really excited to have this conversation with you. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, we'll get started. Okay. My name is Joy Prouty, and the book we're talking about is called Practicing Presence, A Mother's Guide to Savoring Life Through the Photos You're Already Taking. So I know that you're all about minimalism, and I feel like this is like right in line with that because it's about focusing on what matters most to you, and that requires having to make some choices. What prompted you to write this book? Because this is your first book, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty big leap to say, I have this idea and to put it on paper and get it published. So how did that all come about? I don't think it was just one idea. I think the practice of presence is something that naturally happens when you are spending your time focusing on something. So if I'm speaking directly to what you said before about how the camera has gotten a bad rap, about how, oh, put your camera away, it's going to distract you from this moment. And I think that that is because obviously our eyes are on a screen and right now our world is, hustle is the theme. You know, we're just trying to get through everything as fast as possible. And I think a common theme is that we look back on our pictures and we see that, but like we can't remember the feeling in our body of like, what did it actually feel? feel like to be in that moment. And that's this disconnect that I think feels really, really difficult as a mother. And so I have been using the camera as like a therapy tool since I was a child because it gave me something to focus on. I know for a lot of us that have trouble focusing, being able to use creativity is like a major, I mean, we all have used different things that we've developed over the years. Some of us use creativity, some exercise, some of us work, some, right? We're all like focusing on something fully to pull us out of the manic world inside of our heads. And so we get to make a choice. How can we be minimalistic (laughs) about choosing the things that matter most and really pouring our energy into that. And so what I realized is this thing that I had been naturally using all this time, I started to read the research on what is it? Why does this feel good? Why does this help? And there's tons of research behind memories and how memories imprint on the mind. And there's this thing called the negativity bias. When you're exposed to a negative experience, it only takes one second for that negative experience to become a memory. It's in there forever. But something good or beautiful or positive, you have to focus on it for at least 20 seconds for it to even become a memory in your brain. So when you think about we're taking a picture, we're just like, okay, I'm going to take the picture so I can remember this forever. We're not focusing for 20 seconds. We're not like taking it in. And so this book is about completely changing the way that our hustle-based society has made photography into something where it's like, get it before it's gone. Hurry up, hurry up. 
And instead, we can take that and extend it so that we're rewiring our brain for an experience of joy or pleasure or just having to sit in the discomfort of being present in your body for 20 seconds seems like a really long time. Like most of us can't watch a reel for like past 13 seconds. We're like, nope, can't do it. We're on. So it's a practice. Yes, you're talking about we're already doing this. We're already regularly doing this, especially now with the iPhones. We're constantly taking photos of our kids or the moment. Honestly, I'm trying to get better about taking photos of the obscure random things that I find enjoyable. I will walk through. We have an area called German Village in Columbus, and I've seen little doors on the brick walls. And I will just snap a photo of that because it's so charming. And it's just something that I want to look back and remember. And like you said, as we're going back through and just reliving some of these moments, I like to remember little things like that too. So again, we're going to be talking about how to save our life and to practice. This is a practice. And I think that that is something that we don't even recognize. We don't even recognize that it's something that takes work and takes effort because it probably seems too daunting. Yeah. So thinking of something as a practice, it requires you to remove any possibility of trying to make it perfect, to do it perfect, to succeed at something, to achieve anything. And so I love thinking about James Clear. He wrote in his book, Atomic Habits, about how to be a yogi, you just have to show up to the mat and you are that. You don't have to be exceptional or have been doing it for a long time. And so it's that same concept for using our camera to learn more about ourselves, to dive fully into why is it so uncomfortable to look at a picture of myself? What's happening under there? If you want to have some self-growth happening, start taking some honest pictures of yourself and really choosing to look at them because Developing a practice of self-compassion through the way we see things is transformational for our entire lives. And so like what you were saying, oh, when I see these little things around my neighborhood, that gives me joy. That's because you're accessing that childlike spirit. You're choosing that I'm noticing this. This thing matters to me. And in a world that is trying to invalidate us at every turn, and so much of our trauma is based in our emotions not being seen or being invalidated, especially as women in the world, for you to say this thing matters and you take a picture of it and you declare it and you focus on it, it shifts things internally. So good. You did say that you studied the science of memory preservation, but you also, as a photographer, you have photography principles in there. So I was wondering if you could share a few of those with listeners and how some of the photography principles can actually help us practice that momentary presence. Yeah. So the goal is that we don't have to always have a camera attached to our face to be practicing presence. We're just using this as a door to get inside of ourselves. And so I have something called the presence principle that's in the book where it's a four-step plan where it combines neuroscience research with photography principles to help rewire the brain for experiencing more pleasure and less anxiety. I'll walk through that with you so you can start to implement this at home. Okay, so the first step is slow down and breathe. So I would highly recommend using this when you start to feel maybe activated or anxious when you're with your kids. So like Diane, can you think of an experience where that might happen in your home? On the regular with a three-year-old. <laughs> I'm constantly being asked for snacks in my house. Is this a good example? <laughs> this is a perfect example. So tell me, what is the feeling happening in your body when you're trying to focus on something and they're coming up and asking for so many things? 
Okay. Well, for example, today I harvested a ton of beets from my friend's garden. So I was standing there cutting these beets up and slicing and dicing them. And my son came in for, it felt like the third time asking for a snack. I felt frustrated because I'd already provided him with lunch and also felt like I wanted to control him. He wasn't doing what I was asking him. And it was just like, I already satisfied you with something. Why wasn't that good enough? Okay. Thank you for sharing that. So that's totally relatable. So that's the thing that's happening from the outside or like your perspective looking at it. So now what if you actually in that moment, if you can like return to that, put your hand on your chest, close your eyes just for a second and like go back to being in your body in that moment. What does your heart feel like? What does your mind feel like? Are you feeling like tension in your body anywhere? Anxiety in your chest or like what is the embodied feeling or can you even like remember what it feels like to be in your body? I slightly can. And I do feel a little bit of tension in my chest and then kind of in my neck. I think it all starts with starting to take notice when this starts to happen again. Like surely as parents, this is happening to us like 10 times a day, many times in that moment. Okay. So this is how you would put that, the presence principle into that experience. Because what it's sounding like is our body feels like they need us to fix their problem. And they probably do have a problem that needs to be fixed. And for us, because we want to be good at being a mom, we would want to fix that problem and also not feel so crappy about our feelings internally. So there's like a tension happening there. So what we need to do is like move from our mind into our bodies. And instead of being disembodied, I'm the parent, you're the kid. Oh, there's this tension. Instead, we're going to step outside that completely and just become more embodied. Step one is slow down and breathe. So before you ever take a picture, like this is not just about pictures, but it is about changing your family's culture around the purpose of taking a photograph. Is this because we want to remember how good we look today? Or are we taking this picture because this is really important to remember and document for these reasons that we're teaching our children? But in that moment, so you don't want to have to have a photo taking experience. You want to be living an embodied experience and then take a picture to prove that that thing happened. It's about becoming present before any picture even occurs. So you would slow down and breathe. In that moment when that's happening, you just get down on his level, your child, and you breathe. Like, that's mama just needs a minute. We're just going to breathe for a minute. And just, I do it with my kids. So they're feeling that it's a shared experience or I just leave the room and do it by myself. And I move back into my body. Then from that point, the second step is you have to set an intention and write it everywhere. Okay, so there's all these steps that are neuroscience-based. And this one is based in what we tell ourselves, we believe, and we will find it everywhere. So Diane, what is something that you tell yourself when you're feeling down on yourself? It's like you're going to be getting confirmation like, man, that thing really is true. Like, Do you have something that you fight against like that? I will think you didn't do enough today. You weren't good enough today. And I'll see examples of great moms in my life and then just compare myself. There's all the things that we're thinking we're not doing enough. We're not being enough. We're not enough in all of these ways. Whatever those like exhaustive thoughts can be. For me, it's I am actually a burden on my children. Like that's the thought that I fight against. And so if I don't come up with intentions, so there's this part of the brain called the reticular activation system. And whatever we tell it, it's going to be sending that information into our subconscious. And even when we're not paying attention, our subconscious is going to be 
scanning our environment for proof of what we're telling it. As an example, I was watching this documentary with my son on lions, and I hadn't thought about lions. I hadn't seen them anywhere. We're watching this documentary, and then 10 minutes later, my son walks up, and I realize, oh my gosh, you have a lion on your jammies. He's worn these jammies like for weeks and weeks, and I hadn't seen it before. But once I started feeding myself that information about lions, my reticular activation system was like, ooh, scan everything for lions. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) So I know what you mean. I do have a quick example. I'm reading this book right now, and it was talking about the reason that people go to therapy. They see psychiatrists, psychologists, and it says that until we're sick of the sickness, we usually don't change. And oftentimes we just go to feel relief, not change. We go to seek counsel because we don't want to actually change. We just want relief from whatever it is that we're going through that we need help with. And so the word relief keeps coming back up. My sister said it the other day. My friend texts me a thing and she circled relief because I'd been telling her this and I was just like, oh my gosh, relief. It just keeps coming up the word relief. I love that. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that because yes, it's right in line with that, but it's also, it was something nourishing. Your subconscious is scanning for it, but also I think that's like when you step into something good for you, there's this like unnameable, beautiful energy that comes and is meeting you there, which is like what you're saying, which is so beautiful. So we're using the power of telling ourselves wonderfully encouraging intentions over and over. So step one, regulate, get in your body, breathing technique, have something that you're using all the time. Number two, then set an intention, write it everywhere. So in that moment, it would be like relief is beautiful. Like maybe that would be your intention. So you're writing it on your arm, you're putting it on post-it note. You and your child are like drawing a thing and you're putting the word relief and you're drawing flowers coming out of it. Like you are putting that into your brain so that your subconscious is going to help help you to do this work with you. Your conscious and your subconscious are working together. Okay, so then when you're in that space and all of this is happening like really quickly, I'm just explaining it all (laughs) in, in detail. Then you get into life. You engage with muscle memory. Part of the reason we don't have memories is not only that we're not living in them for long enough, but that we aren't getting our bodies involved. So much of our life, like especially with our phones, it's like our thumb, but our body isn't feeling any sensory experience. And so we have to learn again, how can we really embody all of life in this body we've been given in every sensory way so that this experience that I'm sharing right now with my kid or with my inner child or my spouse is as rich as possible. So that is going to like imprint on my mind so I can truly remember it and feel it and it can heal me. And then you focus and take a picture. So hopefully the photograph is something that feels good to you. It's proof of that beautiful experience rather than something you're trying to pose for. I'm a photographer too. I don't think I'm probably as good a photographer as you are, but I dabble. So I always tell parents, let's get as organic of a shot as possible. It doesn't have to be perfect. And sometimes it is kind of chaotic, but I would rather capture that and be authentic and honest with the images because that is a memory that I think is kind of fun. But I would say sometimes it's not fun for the mom. And I don't know if that's because her expectations are it should be this way or if she really just wanted to cultivate a good moment and it wasn't. So do you think you still take the pictures anyways? Like remove the photographer. Are we still wanting to take pictures even if we're not actually happy about the moment? Or is that in ourselves for placing our expectations on that moment? 
Well, I cover all of this in the book. <laughs> There's so many layers happening here. First thing that you were Sorry, talking about is- it was a very is, intense question. Yeah. No, I think it's a great question and I appreciate you asking. There's research in the book. I talk about it, about how in the 50s, Kodak came out with the first consumer-based camera. So people like you and me can get that. And all of their marketing was based around selling photography as this celebratory experience. And they had all of that tagline, a Kodak moment, and you know, save your happy moments with a Kodak camera. Like All of their marketing was based around getting people to get excited about taking pictures of things that were happy. And that was a total shift from the way that photographs had been used before. Whereas before it was like proof that you existed, basically. In the 50s, everything started to shift. And so I think because a lot of us currently raising children were raised by a generation of women that were raised to be polite and perfect and keep it all together and do it really well and look a certain way in pictures and pictures are about celebration. The idea of telling the truth and showing anything other than positivity was not thought about, or it was actually thought about as a disgrace. Gosh, no, that's so fascinating. And I knew that that question had layers to it that we probably can't unpack here. I wonder if we just have our expectations set so high for, like you said, this moment that we're supposed to capture, but really just capturing moments for what they are. But on the back end of all that, if we're trying to be present and practicing that more often, maybe the moments will end up generally being better than if we had these intense expectations on them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the goal is that the pictures that we're taking, what we see in them, and the tension we're experiencing within us is revealing to us the next level of authenticity that we're invited to step into. So we get to make the choice as to what we preserve and focus on and that we are modeling to our children that this is the thing that you should focus on too. And so all of the healing journey that we're on, being minimalistic, whatever it is that we're pouring our lives and our energy into, the way we're documenting it and our energy toward the photo taking process is being passed on through our nature and nurture. Like it's all going straight into our kids. So what are we sharing with them is the purpose of taking pictures. Yeah, yeah. I like how your camera is your magnifying glass for meaning. I like that you say that. And maybe it's because I am a photographer and I love looking at people's photography even before I had gotten into it years ago. But I love how you've woven in photography, neuroscience, self-compassion, and rewiring our brain as moms all together. It is a fantastic idea. I just think there's nothing like this that has been written and I'm really excited for women to read it. Thanks, Diane. And I have seen your photography. You take beautiful pictures. And I can really see how you're focusing on like the most essential connection. It was very clear to me that that was what you were seeing. And I can see like that same concept modeled in towards homes. And, and the idea is that it eventually just becomes doing all of this in the home is the same thing that we're trying to do internally, right? Wouldn't you say that that's like a very clear mirror, the two of them? So this is just another way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's so great. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to say to leave? encouragement or we can wrap this up? Yeah, I can give encouragement. I mean, I think 
there is so much pressure put on moms to appear like everything is okay. And it's easy to embrace vulnerability maybe with other people that have shared mindsets, but maybe to the people who raised us or the people in our homes, like that can be a way more activating, invalidating experience. And so I just really encourage you mamas that if you're feeling you can't remember yourself very well and you're trying to get to know these new versions of yourself, that practicing presence through photography is an incredibly powerful way to start on that journey. And it's something you can do alongside your children. My greatest hope for the book is that the moms are doing these practices, but that the kids are taking part in them and that they're watching. So hopefully the next generation won't have so much struggle when it comes to emotional regulation or focusing on what matters, especially in a current lifestyle that is wanting to rush us through so many things. Yes, absolutely. Well, where can listeners grab a copy or connect with you online if they want to do so? Okay, great. Instagram is the best place, at Joy Proudy. And then the book, it releases on Tuesday, August 22nd, and they can get it in any major bookstore, Practicing Presence. Perfect. Well, I didn't prompt you for this, but I do this with all of my guests. I ask two questions. And the first one is, what's been a beneficial resource to you and your life that you want to share with the listeners? Something that has been really helpful for us in learning to become present in our bodies, my husband and I have been practicing cold plunge for two and a half years. And that was the first place where I started to understand, oh, I can actually make a choice. My body can be exposed to stress and I can have a say in that. I'm aware of how that this is really affecting my body. That is one great thing. And our kids also take part in that with us. That is so funny. So we were just talking about things that keep coming back up. I've done cold plunge for a few years now, but I really want one at home for the same reason you said. It just, it's a mental challenge that if I can go through that, it just seems a lot easier to do a move through my days. But you mentioned cold plunge and I just saw my friend had gotten a blow up one for her house. And I saw that a half hour before I got on the phone with you. There you go. <laughs> Your reticular activation system is saying, get it girl. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, my last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Well, I think grounding, the more that I talk with everybody really about feeling activated in their body, being in that fight or flight response, grounding seems to be the answer for where all good things are born. (laughs) So I'm just continually searching for, talking about, looking for different ways of feeling like I'm more plugged into the earth so that I can feel less activated by everything that's happening in the home, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. And I think that really just being in nature barefooted and just coming as you are, there is something that is so connected to God and the universe whenever I step barefoot out into nature. So I can definitely second that opinion. It makes such a difference. We just don't prioritize it. Well, Joy, thanks so much for joining me. Like I said, I think this is something super unique that listeners should grab a copy of. And I'm really glad that we were able to debrief and discuss your book today. Thanks, Diane. Take care. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. 
Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.